my education is what allowed me to be in the role, but my choice to remain a lifelong learner is what has made me successful in the role. Hi, and welcome to a Life at Climb podcast. I'm Sam Reese, your host and CEO of Vistage, the world's largest CEO coaching and peer advisory organization for small and mid-sized businesses. Coming up, you'll be hearing from Heather Chandler, who runs a major packaging company whose products you've almost certainly used, although you probably didn't even know it. We'll be talking with Heather about her journey, which includes taking over the company from her mother. Plus, she has some great tips on maintaining company culture that every CEO should hear. Leading the conversation with Heather is veteran Vistas chair, Joni Noggle. Later in the episode, I'll talk with Joni about how she advises leaders who are running family businesses and the art of balancing theoretical leadership learnings with actually getting things done. Thanks for joining us for this edition of A Life of Climb podcast. Here's Heather and Joni. Hello everyone, I'm Joni Noggle, a Master Vistage chair. And I'm pleased to introduce and welcome Heather Chandler, president of Seal Strip Corporation. Hi, Joni. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. Why don't we get started, Heather? And why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Seal Strip? Seal Strip is a manufacturer, and we are located about an hour outside of Philadelphia. And our mission is we make packaging easier. So we invent, design, build resealable and easy open features for packaging. And then we sell both the machinery and the tapes that make the package resealable to some of the world's largest global brands like General Mills, Kellogg's, Fresh Express, Mission, those kind of large consumer food brands, we help them make their packaging easier by making it resealable and easy to open. That's right. So my guess is that probably everybody listening to this podcast has touched your resealable tape. And I think that's pretty exciting. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. One of our um, big, hairy, audacious goals probably about 10 years ago was to have a seal strip package in every home. There you go. I, and I, I can't believe that you haven't already achieved that. So, <laughs> But what we want to share with everyone today is a little bit about your life of climb, the journey that you've been on. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your path um, and, and how you got to the chair that you currently sit in? Uh, well, it was certainly an unexpected climb, an unexpected path. I graduated from undergraduate from Penn State and I decided my undergraduate degree was in elementary education, which I've ended up using quite a bit, but although you wouldn't expect it, but (laughs) I decided that I didn't want to be a teacher. While I was student teaching, I found out that really was not at all for me. And so I called up my mom and said, hey, I think I'm going to like travel for the next six months, figure out what I'm going to do with my life. So I'm not going to teach. And she said, well, who's going to pay your bills? And I'm like, well, you were doing it while I was in college. And she's like, OK, I'll see you at the office on Monday. <laughs> and that was my very first day at Seal Strip 29 years ago. <laughs> and while at Seal Strip, I at night went, got my MBA as well as got my law degree. And as I was doing both of those, I realized that leadership is really what I was about and what was really my calling and where I could really make a difference um, in the most number of people's lives, because that's really what I wanted to do is make a big difference. And I feel like leadership in any 
form is really the huge opportunity and responsibility in impacting lives of not just the people that work at Seal Strip, but all of their families' lives are impacted by the decisions I make and the way our company is led. Why don't you tell everyone you're a family-owned business? Obviously, you've worked with family. So why don't you give everyone a little insight into the family that you worked with at Seal Strip? Well, over the years, there's been quite a few that have come and gone. My stepfather, who passed away several years ago, he founded the company in the early 70s. And then my mom joined the company in the mid 80s. And then her sister, my aunt, joined the company a few years after my mom did. And then I joined the company, of course, a few years after that. But we've had lots of variety of cousins and that sort of thing. I say so many people don't enjoy their co workers and getting to work with some of the people that I love the most in the world really is extremely fulfilling. It has its pitfalls, of course. And I think coming into the business as the child of the owner, it's often thought of, oh, the daughter comes into the business so that she can have flexible hours so she can get married and have children, which is really unfortunate because I felt I actually never told anyone that it was a family business. I was in sales. I would never say that I was a family member or that it was a family business because I actually thought it took away credibility from me like I had been given my job when in reality I found that working for my parents I was certainly held to a higher standard than other employees were. Right that's a great lesson to learn. You know you mentioned just a little while ago about you know when you go for your education you can learn what to do but you don't really learn how to do it. How did that really unfold for you as you evolved in in your journey and you took over the organization? My education is what allowed me to be in the role, but my choice to remain a lifelong learner is what has made me successful in the role. You know, learning in school how to do a SWOT analysis, how to do strategic planning, learning that you need to have a leadership team, learning that you need mentors and you need protégés. You learn all of those things in school, but the real meat and potatoes of doing those things are more about relationships and about your EQ and understanding your interactions with other people, understanding things like the four agreements where understanding most of what people say and do is about them, really understanding human nature and building relationships, I think is you know not something that can be taught. And all of that needs to be actually the foundation upon which you then build stuff like your SWOT analysis and your strategic plan and all of those things come out of and grow and flourish when you've got that self-awareness and that EQ and the ability to make and maintain relationships. I think another aspect of family business is that relationship, particularly when it's intergenerational, the communication norms generationally have evolved. When you're in business with family, you bring your childhood along with you. And, (laughs) you know, I'll never forget, probably I was working in the office for about two years and Pat and Joy and my parents and I were standing in the office and something happened. I was getting really irritated and I stomped my foot. And (laughs) I was, as soon as I did it, everybody bust out laughing. But, you know, sometimes you just slip back into that. And I think having grace with each other to realize, you know, we all 
And to me, that's part of where the love comes in, in that it's much easier to have grace for other people and for yourself when you know it come where things are coming from and they're coming from good intentions. I never have a doubt that my business partners want the absolute best for me personally. They know that about me as well. And knowing that intent makes the communication, even when it's hard, so much better and richer and more open because we all know we come to it with no ulterior motives other than our collective success. That's great. Now, one of the biggest challenges that leaders are facing right now is around culture and how to maintain it with hybrid situations and all the craziness that we've gone through in the pandemic. You've worked very, very hard to have a solid culture at SealStrip, and you've done some pretty unique things. So what have been your big takeaways about culture from what we've lived through in the past year plus? I feel like the theme of this is communication because <laughs> it's, an, you know, people when they're apart, Physically, you lose that water cooler talk. You lose the walking by each other in the office and saying hi. The people who are on site in production wonder what the heck the people who are working at home are doing. Are they binging Netflix while they're pretending to work kind of thing? And so I think the over-communication about what everybody's up to, what's happening in the company. The main thing I think that has really been a lot of the glue that's helped at SealStrip is that about a week into the pandemic, I started doing video video updates. And for probably the first at least three months, I did a video update every single day. Some were as short as three to four minutes and some were as long as 15, 20 minutes, letting them know what's going on, both as far as what government mandates were, what the rules were. I was keeping track of case counts and things like that and reporting on them in my videos, as well as reporting on things going on in the company, birthdays and anniversaries and sales opportunities and those kinds of things. And I think people seeing my face regularly like that. I've now gone down because we're back to a hybrid environment and I see people a lot more. I'm down to once a week videos, but I still never missed a missed a week of videos. And even if I'm not going to be in the office, I'll go ahead and do a video a day early or a day late in order to continually keep people informed. Every video, I, I remind them that they can reach out to me by phone, by text, by email. And every single video since the first one, I finish with be safe, be well, and much love. And every single video I've ended with that for the year and a half, however long it's been. And I think, again, just that consistency and people knowing that they're cared about in times when there's so much out of our control and so much upheaval. And someone said to me once, who also runs a company, that I would never say love to the people that work at my company. But I think that's part of my personal style as well. And I do love all of the people at SealStrip. They're my SealStrip family. And I feel like for them to feel that from me and to know that they're cared about because this is their livelihood. As we wind up, what other words of wisdom about your life of climb would you like to share with the audience today? When I was very young, I didn't think that I didn't think for-profit business was making a difference in people's lives. I thought I needed to be a nonprofit or education or something like that in order to make a difference. But I know now that by being a good and someday hopefully great leader, I'm able to impact the lives of every family that works 
at SealStrip, even with our vendors that we come in contact with, our customers, all of those, I get to impact people's lives by the decisions I make and my choice to have empathy and to be kind and to do the right thing. Let me tell you, you have had a fabulous climb so far, and there is no doubt in my mind, Heather, that your ongoing climb is going to be spectacular. So thank you so much today for sharing a little bit of your story with everyone, and uh, we wish everybody the best. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. This episode of A Life of Climb podcast is brought to you by Vistage, the world's largest executive coaching and peer advisory organization. As a CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go it alone? What if you could journey with an experienced guide and an elite team of peers who've got your back? With that kind of support, how high could you climb? Vistage has been helping leaders reach new heights for more than 60 years. It's a proven, time-honored approach that can help you too. Learn more about Vistage and discover more leadership resources at vistage.com. And now, back to our episode. Hey, Joni, looking forward to spending time with you. It's great to see you. Let me just ask a little bit about you. So how long have you been a mentor and a coach, and what drove you to this uh, type of work? Well, I've been doing this type of work for over 10 years now. It's funny because I was a banker for 25 years. I always wanted to do banking type development, but I worked for a CEO and he would never let me do that. He always said, no, you have to go to these leadership classes. You have to go to this leadership. And he was the whole executive team. All we did was leadership. And at the time it frustrated me. But what's really funny is that I use so much of what I learned during that process, obviously. It was a natural evolution and I'm very grateful, but it's the situation where sometimes you can't see what will in the long run be best for you. I, I saw that in Heather's journey. It was all about being a lifelong learner. You know, She was gonna be a, a school teacher and she finally figured out that she wanted to be a leader. What do you see with the executives that you work with? Did, is that what takes them to this line of work where they wanna lead organizations or are they more of a great worker that then sort of just, it naturally happens and then one day they're sitting in the CEO spot? What happens on the journey? What do you think? Sam, I actually see both. There are certainly lots of people like Heather who have that early calling and they actively pursue that, some at a very young age, whether that's just a desire or sometimes out of necessity if they're in a family-run business, that there is a void that's presented and they need to step into it maybe a little earlier than they had planned on. But then I think there are also the executives who excel at their day-to-day -day jobs and the leadership role comes as a result. You know, I've often said uh, that life is what happens when you're making other plans. And that being said, I do see people who naturally gravitate to leadership. Many years ago, when I was in corporate America, I had a colleague and when times got really stressful, we would often joke with each other of, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just go pump gas all day long? <laughs> and then we would pause and sit back and look at each other and say, well... We know that that wouldn't work because before long, we'd see things that would need to be fixed. And pretty soon we'd be managing the place. And after a while, we wouldn't like what the owner wanted to do. So we'd be buying it. And, and before long, we'd own it. And so this is what we're meant to do. 
One of the areas that you discussed with Heather was the difference between academic business theory and practical application. And I think she had this this great line between thinking you know what to do and actually knowing how to do it. And the question I had is how you balance those um, developing those skills with leaders you work with, the, the theoretical and the practical. Well, I think it comes down to when you're learning something, whatever the academic is, the learning, the knowledge, it's really then what is your commitment to it, the one or two specific actions you're willing to do? Because that's the inertia. You need to get people to move through the inertia. And depending on what the learning or the action is, sometimes it takes them out of their comfort zone. I find that if you can get people to commit to follow through on at least what's the first thing you're going to do? Because once you do the first thing, even if you're not sure what the second thing is, once you do the first thing, the second thing presents itself and it becomes obvious. And then the third and then the fourth. Being intentional of constantly moving forward one step at a time. Hmm. That's that's really interesting. Oftentimes, especially I, I can see young executives trying to plan everything out. And so they're frozen and they don't take action. That takes special confidence to be able to take that first step and and then know you can deal with what's ahead. What do you think positions or has somebody so they feel comfortable doing that? Because I, I mean, there's a lot of risk in taking a step and not knowing what the next step is. What is it that you help leaders think about or how do leaders think that allow them to be that kind of person that keeps moving forward? On one hand, they know that I'm going to be asking them when I come to visit. <laughs> <laughs> they can count on that, I bet. And and I'm, you know, you get a lot of comments that they know they had to do something and I'm going to be coming to visit. They better hurry up and do it. Because, you know, we all need some form of accountability. And who holds that person, the CEO, accountable? I know that you spend time not only with Heather's business, but other family businesses. What, what do you see when you think about some of the early counsel or insights you might give a leader taking over a legacy business? What do you see are some of the unique challenges that they have to deal with that constantly are at, at play here? I really see the biggest turning point for a new generation leader, for them to feel that the leadership team is their team. That is a real turning point. Now, that doesn't mean that the existing people who may have been there before need to be replaced. But what it does mean is that the leader really feels that every member of the leadership team shares their vision, they've established a high level of trust, and they have really strong communication. I know there's a lot of your members are, are facing the challenges of just keeping their cultures intact during what's been just a crazy year and a half with the pandemic. How has Heather done that with her team? And especially, I think what's so unique about the dynamic of her team is she's got production people on site that are there every day, and then she's got white-collar workers working from home. How has she managed to keep the culture strong? You know, one of the things Heather was really, really strong at through this entire time has been her video messaging that she's done. Early on, like many organizations, it was almost daily updates about what was going on. And I think the consistency of, it's the communication and connection is really important to keep everybody informed. I mean, let's face it, these were times that nobody has gone through before. People didn't know what to expect or what was acceptable or what wasn't. And having that constant reassurance and messaging I think is really, really important. And, and Heather really excelled at that. Heather mentioned her core values around building relationships, 
kindness and communication. And I, I just noticed, I know this has been a, a big topic for me as well, that leaders uh, really are, that stand by their core values and operating principles don't ditch them even in difficult times. What do you think provides the confidence for leaders to, to stay the course and really rely on those core values and operating principles, even in difficult times? Well, it's, it's really their internal conviction, really committed to the core values, that they're not just words and ideas put on a poster in the hallway. It's really what they live and breathe. And if it's that much of the fabric of who you are, it's, it's easy to stay the course. If it is an exercise that we did because it's on the list of what all companies should do, that's when it just doesn't stick because it's not real. It's a great insight. It's almost too late then, right? When you're in a difficult time, you need to rely on your core values. If your core values are things that you, you, don't, you believe are not that important, I mean, it's too late. It's really too late. And you really need those core values to keep the team together to help get through the tough situations. Joni, thanks so much for your time today. Incredible insights. It's just a, a pleasure to speak with someone with so much experience. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, thank you, Sam. It was my pleasure to join you today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of A Life of Climb podcast. And thanks again to Heather and Joni. Friendly reminder to please subscribe or follow the podcast to get all of the latest episodes. And visit vistage.com slash podcast for more resources to support you on your own leadership journey.